this morning we're uh, we're just going to wrap up our final um, uh, time in uh, margin. And we've been talking about margin. If you need notes, we have ushers. They have notes. If you didn't get any notes, we'll give them to you. Just raise your hand, and we'll make sure. Okay, there's a couple people in the back. And then, uh, but we're going to talk this morning about something I know that no one in our church ever deals with. And we're in the last part is we're going to talk about financial margin. Got real quiet. All right. So we're ending our series on margin today. But the first week, Pastor Josh laid the foundation on why we need margin in our lives. And then the, the second week, I talked about a spiritual margin, the importance of connecting with God, having that space and that time that we make with God. Because I, I believe this. If you don't make time with God, guess what happens? Other, other people will make time for you. If you don't schedule God, listen, I've learned this. If you don't schedule time to be with God, people will schedule your time for you. Are you hearing me? And so it's, it's creating margin. We talked about last week, we talked about uh, how a marginless life affects our relationships and, our, and even our uh, relational dashboard. I talked about indicators that we, all of us have. And today I want to talk to you about financial margin. How many of you would be honest and say that, that occasionally... Or often you have some financial stress in your life. Anybody like that here this morning? Keep your hand up. Come on. If you have had any financial stress, I want you to look around so you don't feel like you're alone. Okay? And, and, and so, you know, in our culture, financial stress is completely normal. You see it almost everywhere when, when it comes, to, it, it, when you come in contact with people. Uh, people are living from paycheck to paycheck. It's absolutely, it's actually normal. Having monthly payments, normal. Debt, normal. That is one reason why we don't like normal. Amen? Because normal is not working. And see, here it is. Margin is the amount available, we've been talking about, available beyond what is necessary. It's the difference between what you have and what you need. In other words, we can say this. If you earn $3,000 a month, and you spend $2,500, that means you have $500 margin for that month. Okay, y'all following me? Okay. If you earn $3,000 and you spend $3,000, how much margin do you have? Come on, anybody help me out. Okay, zero, okay. But let's say if you, if you go, well, well, Nothing. Well, baby, I earned three thousand. You know. Well, how about this, Pastor Bubba? I earned three thousand, but I spent thirty-five hundred dollars. How I many you know? That's not margin. That's like stress. You know, it's a whole nother issue. So, what does financial margin look like in everyday life? You know, here's what it, what it looks like. It's having money left over at the end of the month, if possible, and and it's a good thing. Amen? It's, it's having money available to give without feeling stressed when you give. It could be having money available to do something you enjoy. It can be, margin is the ability to be financially at rest. Not anxious, not worried, not always afraid. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay? Proverbs, here's Proverbs, Proverbs 21, 20 says this. The wise, will ha will, wise, the wise have wealth and luxury, 
but fools spend whatever they get. In other words, concerning, you know, earthly finances. Here, here it is. Notice the Bible doesn't say that the, only the wealthy have margin. It's not saying that. What it's saying is the Bible doesn't say that only uh, that, that a two-income in, uh, two co- two family only has margin it's, it, but, or it's a good thing. It's not. The Bible says the house of the wise. Say it with me. The house of what? Wise. Here, here uh, there's more than enough in the house of the wise. That's what it's saying. In other words, there's a wise way to manage your money that God entrusts us. And, and there's a foolish way. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever lived foolishly? Look around you. And if you see someone next to you not raising your hand, you know they have just going, look, fool, you better raise that hand. Okay, listen. The really, fool, when you look at the Bible, in the Bible, fool, the Bible says, the fool says in, the heart, in his heart, no, there is no God. In other words, what really, what it, if you translate it, it says no God. That means not just in your finances and your choices and your everyday living and all that you do. You're saying, no, God, you, you know, but I know a lot of people that they want God in their, they want God in their finances, but they don't want God in their morals. They don't want God in their lifestyle. They don't want God in their decision making. They don't want God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so, you know, when I look at this, it's, it's really what it's talking about. A man who saves and the foolish man spends. That's what he's really saying. And the same can be. Uh, said spiritually, and, and Jesus said we we are to lay down ourselves. We're, we're to lay down our hearts so we can have treasure in heaven. And this morning, what I want to do: there's a way to manage your money that 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 entrusts us to, in a way that we don't have to live foolishly. And so this morning, First Timothy says this: Yet godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Paul didn't say it's your marginal gain or decent gain, but it's your great wealth. In other words, when you begin to live a life, when you learn to have contentment, because see, that's what we all do. How many of you know that there are people who just can't be happy with what they have? Or take care of what God's blessed them with. And I'm not saying it's wrong to have things. I'm not saying that. But he, here it is. You see, 1 Timothy 6, 7 through 10, it says, after all, Look at what it says. It says, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. You can't fill up your nicest treasures that you have on earth on a U-Haul truck and stand before Peter and go, let me in, Lord. And that too. He's like, no, no, no. And so he's saying this. So if you have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation or trapped by many foolish and harmful treasures that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of, listen what it says, the root of all kinds of evil. Then say the root of evil, all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. You know, I read about this, 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 uh, this village in Mexico, and it was on a mountain, and on this mountain, they had, uh, they had two streams. They had a stream that would actually produce cold, cold, refreshing water, and they had another stream right next to it that pr- produced hot water. And it was a traveler, and he was walking by, and he was saying, man, Mother Nature has blessed y'all tremendously. 
And the Indian, he said, isn't it great? And the Indian looked at him and says, he said, yeah, it's great. Mother Nature has blessed us with cold stream and hot spring. But we griped that we, he didn't give us soap either. Okay, look at me. That's just like us. It's just like us. It's just like us. You know, it, it's, we see debt causing tremendous grief. We see financial pressure and stress causing tremendous just grief. We see people unable to enjoy the blessings they have because they're always worried about what? Mucho dinero. They're always worried about money. What's the problem? Why is it that so many of us trade margin for material things that don't last? Well, our culture is convincing us of a lie, what normal is. Our culture is telling us this is the definition of happiness. In other words, our culture defines happiness. As, this is how they define it. More than I currently have. More than I currently have. That's what the world is telling us. Whatever you have, look at it's not enough. If you have something else, you'll be happy. If you had had just a little bit more, then you'll be happy. Our culture tells us this, you deserve it. In other words, you deserve a break today. If you can't afford it, make payments. Get it now. You ever have kids? You know, it's going to make you happy. And you know what? You ever get something that you've been wanting and it doesn't bring the happiness that you thought it would? I remember one time my son, Matt, he bought, we bought him this, uh, this, this plane. Man, he, and he liked remote control things and all this stuff. And, and, um, and so we get out the door and I said, Matt, don't, don't, don't do it yet because, you know, you know, I mean, it's, you, you got to be careful because we don't know everything about the plane yet. But he was so, I mean, he was so excited, man. He got this plane. And, you know, and so we go, he opens the door and he starts the plane before we do anything. And it takes off. The plane he'd been longing for, the plane he'd been wishing for, the thing he, the plane he'd been hoping for, it flew off and we never found it. <laughs> but he had a little Christmas money left over and we, had a, we went and bought him another one. We, get, believe me, we read the instructions. <laughs> you see, many of you are more blessed than you ever imagined you would be. So we have, we have, we've got this 20-something, we, we have 20-somethings that are getting married and trying to obtain the very same thing that your mom and dad have, and it's taken them a whole lifetime. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? To accumulate, and we think, i got to have what they got now. You see, it, it, and yet it's more, they're more miserable because they have all that. Why? It's, many of you are more blessed. See, it's not an income problem for most. It's not. It's really not. Most of you say, well, if I only had a little more money, but it's not an income problem. Really, it's a lifestyle problem. It really is. It's a lifestyle problem. As your income grows, your, 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 can I tell you what happens? Your lifestyle traits. Guess what happens? Your lifestyle trails behind your income. You see, if you get the root of it, what we really have is not just a lifestyle problem. We have a spiritual problem. 
you know, I was, I was reading a thing, a story a while back, and there was this, uh, there was this man that called a church, and he said, oh, hey, man, I want to speak to the head hog at the trough. And the secretary said, who? She goes, and the man replied, I want to speak to the head hog at the trough. She was trying to see if she heard correctly, and, and she said, sir, if you, if you mean our pastor, you will have to treat him with respect and ask for the reverend or the pastor. But surely, sir, you can't call my pastor the head hog at the trough. At this point, the man came back, oh, well, I have a $10,000 check I wanted to donate to the building fund. The secretary, hold on. I think the big pigs just are coming out his door right now. <laughs> Thought I'd wake some of you up. Matthew, Jesus said this. Matthew 6, verse 19 through 21. He said this. He said, don't store up treasure here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. When, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Jesus didn't say where your treasure is, there, uh, there your treasure will be. Instead, he said, Put your treasure in heaven and your heart will inevitably follow where you invest. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How can we make more heavenly, how can we become more heavenly hearted? By spending our treasure, so by sending our treasure ahead. It reminds me of the story. It, you know, it was, uh, there, was a, there was two ladies. There was an old lady and there was a rich lady. And this old lady, that she worked for the rich lady. And when they would go to church, and this, this, the, they would sit in church, and what happened is the old lady was actually the maid of the rich lady, and you know when the, when the offering basket came by, she she gave generously, and she gave her best, and and she, and, and, but when the when the rich lady when she was sitting there, and, and and when the offering basket would come by, she would get out her coin purse, and she would dig to find the smallest coin and put it in the collection plate. And she was kind of bossy and naggy. But what happened is the maid died. She went to heaven. And not soon, much later, the old rich lady died. And she made it to heaven. I don't know how, but she did. And goes up. Peter greets her and says, so good to see you. Oh, so good to see you too. She goes, but, and he goes, hey, you remember that maid that used to work for you? She goes, oh, yeah. And he goes, that's her house right there on Main Street in heaven. Big old five-story, beautiful home, all this. He goes, she goes, wow. And this is what she said. So, well, if that's my maid's house, I wonder what my house is going to look like. So they started walking, and they went from the five levels to the four to the three to the twos to the flats. 
And they started walking out, out in the country. And they walked out a good ways. And the rich lady, she was kind of bothered. Hey, how much longer do we have to walk? He said, well, we're almost there. We're almost there. And they kept walking and walking. And all of a sudden, he, he leans up against a tree in heaven. And he wipes his brow from sweat. And the lady goes, oh, are we going to be there? He says, oh, we're here. And she starts looking around. And all of a sudden, she sees something. And she's She's like these boards and stuff, and she kind of, man, that looks kind of almost like a, a doghouse, Peter. That can't be my house. He goes, oh, ma'am, that is your house. That's all we could build with what you sent ahead. Where your money goes is where your heart follows. Come on. Let's be honest. The average Christian gives about 2% of their income toward the Lord, toward God. That means 90, 98% of your heart goes toward the world. We wonder why we want, want more of the world and we're not satisfied with God because it's a spiritual problem. Hello, amen? So what do we do? How do we create a financial margin? That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. The very, it's very obvious. This is either you earn more or you spend less, okay? That's... That's it. Both or neither will work. If you want to create margin, do that. That's simple. Earn more, spend less. I didn't get a lot of amens. But every one of you are smart. You already know. You already know that. Most people are do, aren't are not doing that. Because there's a deeper root issue. I want to try to answer the deeper root problem. Is that all right this morning? And so how, how, how do we get just beyond just the practical pastor, but into the spiritual? It's very simple. And here's the answer. You must put God first in your finances. I'll say it again. I'll give you an opportunity. Here's the most religious thing. No, it's the most relational thing I can say that you can have with God. The very simple thing is you you must put God first in your finances. Jesus talked about, Jesus talked about finances through one-sixth of the entire ministry. One-third of the parables mention finances, all right? How many of you know that, that, you know, so Jesus was not just, you know, he wasn't just, uh, Jesus was no fundraiser. He wasn't trying to raise, he dealt with money matters, and however, because money really matters, See, it's very simple. You know, you must put God first because in our world, we tend to come first. I mean, we come first sometimes. You know, if you want it, you're going to go get it. And if we have anything left, we're going to try to bring our leftovers to God. You know, sometimes... We have like Sunday afternoons is usually leftover day in our refrigerator. Because my wife is an awesome lady. She cooks hot breakfasts for our children 95% of the time in the morning. Okay? She cooks a hot dinner in the morning, I mean in the morning, at night. I'm a blessed man. Okay? I weigh more than I when I married her. So I'm, she's weighed me down, all right? But I've also done a lot of fork calisthenics since I did chemo. I've had revival in my taste buds. 
But the incredible thing is, is that I'm blessed. But leftovers aren't just quite as good, unless it's a good gumbo like this afternoon. Come on, Michelle. That's just one thing that us, our culture has. Amen? But there's just some things that just don't taste as good when you have leftovers. And see, you got to put God for If you want it, see, generally asking, God would want you, God would have you and me manage the resources that he trusts us with us with care. How many know that we got we to gotta tr- be trusted? You can't give your child more than he can handle, right? Am I right? You see, it's a, here it is. What happens when you put God first in your finances? I'm going to give you three things, okay? Number one, you will experience God's blessings. How many of you want God's blessings? Any takers here this morning? Anybody want God's blessings? Anybody want to be poverty? Anybody want a spirit of poverty on them? We can pray for you right now. You come up forward. We'll have an altar call. We'll pray for you, and we'll send you on. You know, I don't think anybody wants that. People want the blessings of God. See, it's the first, let me just say this. The first sign of someone really slipping away from God is when they stop just giving. I'm not talking just finances, but finance is a big part. When they stop giving their finances, when they stop giving their time, really what it's, is they stop giving their treasure, their faith, their time, and their talents for the kingdom of God. You begin to see things. And maybe they become inward and they go, I got to do my, my thing. I got to do this instead of reaching out to people. And helping build lives. It's kind of our slogan. And see, it means you, you're, you know what? In other words, it's like this. When you stop doing what God wants you to do, you're actually stealing from the owner. How many you believe God owns everything? Let's do a test. How many you believe? Let's do a God test. How many you believe God owns everything? How many you believe God owns your checkbook? Well, let it reflect that it does. I'll just stop right there. But see, in the scripture, it says Malachi, and you've heard the scripture, and it says, should people cheat God? In other words, if you look that word cheat, or it says steal, it means really to embezzle God. It's a pretty strong word. You have cheated me. This is the scripture. It says, but you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me with your tithing and offering due to me. You are under a curse. You, you, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse so that there will be room enough in the temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. How many want to open window to heaven? I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. In other words, overflow more than enough. How many, want, how many you know, this is the children of Israel. It's like when they were in the land of bondage, when they were in Egypt, there was not enough. When they were in the wilderness, it was barely enough. But when they got to the promised land, it was more than enough, Shai. And God wants you and I to live in the land of more than enough. That you have so, you're so blessed that you have an opportunity to bless others around you. And he says, you know, I like what he says, try it. Put me to the test. In other words, test me. It's the only time in the whole scripture that it says is when you bring, when, when, when we bring our first and our best, God will bless the rest. How many of you believe that? He trains us. He teaches us that God will do more with the 90 than we can do with the 100%. See, tithing builds your faith. We have to rearrange our lives around 
look at me. We're on God. Rather than our, ourself. We have to say no to so many things in this world so we can say yes to putting God first. How many of you know that we have how many of you know that we have more options we've ever had in our entire lives? So guess what? That means greater the temptations too. Greater. Let me let's do it. Let me do a test. How many of you have been tempted this week? Okay, let, let me let me start over. How many of you have been tempted to say something? It might have made you feel good, but it wouldn't have been good. How many of you have been tempted to say a lie? Come on, just be honest. Come on. How many of you have been tempted? Man, we're gonna get. How many of you are tempted? You just go. I ain't buying nobody Christmas presents. I'm just tired of Christmas. Anybody? Tempted? All right. All right. This side was honest. What happened to y'all over here? How many of you you've been tempted? Just like you know. Your children kind of backtalked you, and you've done things, and you've been tempted to say, look, I brought you in this world. I'm going to take you out. A lot of them, all right. I heard it say that temptation only brings out the scum that's already in our heart. All of us got some stuff. Say it with me. Say stuff. Everybody got stuff. Everybody got issues. Y'all think people, man, they got issues. You do too. Some of ours are just a little more sophisticated and buried a little better than others. I've heard it say like this, people got junk in the trunk. But it's really, the temptation is this, is that, you know, it's tithing breaks the power of materialism and consumerism in our lives. See, people ask me, if, if I don't have margin, should I wait until I have margin to start tithing? You know what I say? No. Why, pastor? Because you start tithing now because it breaks the very thing that led you to have a marginless life to begin with. Since I've been a Christian, look at me. I tithe. And my wife and I, we don't look at what the bills are. But we do have a, it's called this, budget. So we don't live marginless. There's some things we have to say no to right now so we can say yes to later. Amen. There's times we've gotten blessed. And I'm thinking. Man, that's a good looking rifle. You know, Cabela's got rifles on sale right now. And they do. But anyway, just. I've been tempted this week anyway, but I know, yeah, do I have enough to go do that? Yes, but if I do, I may be shot by someone who loves me. (laughs) Are you hearing me? Because I'll just be honest, my wife, I trust her with our checkbook because she's never done anything stupid or foolish with our money ever. I have one of my friends, when they got married, and I'm not going to tell you who, but when they got married and she never had a checkbook in her life, and when she got married, she got a checkbook, and she thought, I got a checkbook. That means I have all the money. She was kind of naive and blonde. Literally, she was blonde. Anyway, and she went and started writing checks, and her husband was traveling all over, and he got back 
And he saw they were like over, but he had a great account before. And when he came back, he said, ah, what did you do? She goes, what do you mean what did I do? Why, how did you buy all this stuff? She goes, well, I have a checkbook. When, what do you mean you have a checkbook? Baby, there's, if I have a checkbook, I can get anything because I have a checkbook. He goes, no. And he had to teach her about a budget. Now she runs their budget. That's a miracle. You start by tithing. I, look, I, God blessing me more living on 90% of what I have coming to me than the 100%. That's like one time we did a test here at the church, and we pulled out. I gave everybody a bag of Skittles. And I go, all right, tear them up, put, it in, put 10 Skittles in your hand. Give one to your neighbor. That, one, let's, that represents take one and give it to God. Now you have nine left to do with what you can do with. What are you going to do with it? Maybe you save one, put one aside in the old no fund. That means emergency fund in case something happens. You know, and you don't, you, he was like, oh, no, I didn't know that. I mean, I had a oh, no problem. I mean, you had an a, a engine blowout, a tire blowout. I mean, you know, your, your, your air conditioner went out. Come on. Okay. That's like, oh, no. And some of us need to build a fund for that. And you know what? God blesses you when you do that. And you're, the Bible says when you're wise. Say, say wise. Okay. Number two. Number two, you become supernaturally content. How many of you need some contentment in your life? How many of you want to live stress less? They say that 78% of people go to the doctors because most of them are just dealing with stress. Proverbs, listen, Proverbs 15, 16 says this. Better to have little with, the, with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. In other words, it's better to eat vegetables in an at- atmosphere of love than to eat a prime rib where there's hatred and tension. That's what it's really saying. See, what is the first word in the verse? What, what is, it says, one, two, three, what does it say? Okay, I'm going to give you another. What is the first word in the verse say? What? Better. See, the very, the, there are very few people in a society today that believe that's true. It's better to have money to give. It's better that when something breaks down, you don't break down. Because you have the ability to pay it, to pay for it. It's better, are y'all with me? It's better to see someone in need and be able to help out. It's better to, to be praying about what to do with the extra than never have any extra. It's better to live in your paid-for care with peace in your marriage than drive a luxury car. Amen? The world says more will make you happy. God says happiness is contentment with what you already have. When you seek God first, when you get closer to God, and, and, and guess what? Guess what happens? You don't need those things because God is enough. Sammy, say, say God is enough. Say it like you mean it. God is enough. 
Some of you need to say that when you walk out the doors here today. God is enough. The third and final thing is this. It says, you will end up with more of what matters. When you put God first in your finances. You may not have what everyone else wants physically, but you will have what they what no one else has spiritually. So you can have all kinds of things, but be 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 poverty in the spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You, you, like I've said before, it's like the spiritual test. I would love to do it to see how spiritual people really are. If you walked out the doors, we had a, a number set that said one through ten, and it said what your spirit looked like. Ten being the highest, one being poverty. It'd be like you, some of you in your finances and in your spirit are like a Bangladesh poster child holding a little bowl with rice and going, me. Really? But I know this, when you... Put God first, God keeps records of your account. In other words, see Proverbs 8, verses 18 through 19. I have riches and honor as well as enduring wealth and justice. My gifts are better than gold, even the purest gold. My wage is better than sterling silver. In other words, this is King Solomon speaking right here. And if you know anything about Solomon, before he became king, the very thing he asked for, he said, God, God came to him in a dream. He said, Solomon, whatever you want, I will give to you at whatever. How many of you like one of those dreams? He said, whatever you want. And Solomon knew that he was fixing to be king. And he said, God, give me wisdom be the king you know what god's response was because you didn't ask for yourself you didn't ask for for things i'm gonna bless you far beyond not only with wisdom but i'm gonna bless you beyond anything that anyone would ever possess and the bible says that solomon was the wisest and the most wealthy man on the entire earth see god is talking about wisdom which is really you know what wisdom really is? Is himself. How many of you want God? If God's enough, guess where wisdom comes? Him, him. If you grab a hold of him, all of a sudden you begin to begin to make wise decisions. I can say this. Before I knew God, I was making a lot of foolish decisions and living a foolish lifestyle and, and being a fool. Come on. I mean, I, I wish, you know, listen, I wish I had all the money that I spent on old girlfriends. I'd be a wealthy man. I was trying to impress him with things. Hello? I had a nice place. I had my own place. I had a nice stuff, motorcycles, all this other stuff at a young age. I had a nice check coming in every week. I mean, 35 years ago, I was making sometimes between, uh, between $750 and $965 a week. My middle name was P-A-R-T-Y. Party! I had all that stuff. But I didn't have what really mattered. I didn't have wisdom. 
And when I gave my life to God, I asked God, I was like, God, I knew. I go, God, I've been one of the stupidest people on the faces. Or I want wisdom. And I remember my friend Daniel Sabala, Pastor Jacob's best friend. He, was, he went to the seventh grade five times, but he got saved, and he's really wise. Anyway, that's not, that's not a lie. And Daniel looked at him. He says, Baba, God wants to give you wisdom. You need to get into the book of wisdom, Proverbs. And you follow that. Those are principles that you can live by, that you can bank by. And he goes in, and James is a New Testament book of Proverbs. It teaches you how to live, how to make right choices. He says that the things I give you are better than the things of this world. That's what the scripture is saying. When you seek him first, instead of filling your life with things that really that don't really matter, you will fill your life with things that really that truly do matter. Amen. It will be better when you have time margin and financial margin. You will spend time with people that you love. What do you mean by that? You you will you will invest in things that are that are truly the most important. You will be rich relationally. Sis, let me just tell you something. The longer you know God, let me just say, if you serve God long enough, he'll introduce you to his friends if you're a friend of God. You serve God long enough, he introduces you to your friend, to friends, his friends. You know, I have, I have friends from all over the world. And I, I sometimes I scratch me, how do I have these friends? It's like God just brought these people in my life, and then they, he, in their life, we've just bumped into each other, and and it's like it's just kind of cool. And we start talking about what God's done in our lives and what He's done to help us and change us. You see, you will be rich relationally. You will be rich spiritually. You'll be rich in things that matter most when you put God first. Amen. I'll just say, instead of just consuming more you're going to find out that it's truly more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give. And that's what Christmas is all about. Jesus came and he gave his life. In return, think about it. What did we get in return? Salvation, freedom, joy. God gave, we receive. If we give, what God gives us back to people in our community, in this area. You know what God will do? God will bless you. God will bless you. Let me ask you, how many of you need a blessing this year? Okay, I, I want, how many of you need a blessing this year? How many of you need a job, a better job? Come on. Anybody want a better job? And how, many, how many of you need revival in your checkbook? Come on. Let me just tell you, you know how you get that? You put God first in your life. This isn't a sales pitch. This is if you put God first in your life, you put him first in your finances, and you say, God, give me wisdom. God, you, Father, you gave. You gave me the example that you gave. Why do I preach passionately about this? Because I ache for those that give up on the blessing for the things of the world that don't last. That's why I want to be passionate about this. Jesus was passionate about this. You know, I mean, I want you to live a life that's so blessed 
You know what I'm saying? That you're just, I mean, it'd be like, it's a, it's a bad analogy, but it's the only one I can think of right now. It'd be like you come in here and your pockets and your drawers are sagging because you have so many blessings and you got to give it away. You understand me? It's not because you're trying to show off your underwear, all right? It's because you're so blessed. I remember I stayed at the governor's house in Kentucky. His name was Julian Carroll. He'd just been saved for about six weeks. Every morning he'd bring me and Rick and a couple other guys who were on my team a glass of orange juice. And I remember he just so, God had done so much. And that man, he's a governor, okay? And now he's a representative. I know that right now. His name is Julian Carroll. And, and I remember he'd just sit down in the living room. He said, all right, guys, I want to talk about God this morning. He was just so hungry. He said, you guys, you're young. And I remember he said, you're smart. You're wise. Because when I was your age, I don't want to talk about what I was doing. But now that I'm old, you young guys can teach me how to make the wise decisions I need to make. And i never forget, we stayed with him for three and a half weeks. That's a long time to stay with somebody. And I remember at the end, he's, he's going, and he gave us each $50. And back then, you know, man, that $50 was like, when you're a missionary? He gives us $50. And, he, and we were like, we all, we were so grateful. And we said, no, man, we, Governor, Gov, we don't, we, we didn't, we don't want this. He said, no, guys. He said, you don't realize. He said, why y'all staying here and you loving Jesus the way you guys love Jesus. You've affected my family. You've affected my life. You've affected my finances. You've affected everything about me. I will never be the same ever again. For the rest of my life. And that's when prayer. They were trying to kick prayer out of schools. And he actually made an amendment in the state. There in Kentucky. He said you know they were trying to get prayer out of schools. He said well maybe y'all can say we can't pray in school. But no one said we can't sing prayers in school. You see. I believe this. When you put him first. You will experience his blessings. Come on band. Y'all come on. The choice is yours. It's not your income issue. Look at me. It's your lifestyle issue. Amen? It's your spiritual issue. Where are you at? Jesus said, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart is is also. And see, it's not when we do tithe and offering around here or we have something that we want to do, it's not, it's not God's not, giving's not God's way of raising cash, guys. It's God's way of raising kids. Every time I give, I'm giving away a part of my stinginess and my selfishness. God doesn't need my money, but I need to give. The Lord wants my heart. He wants your heart, not my money. He knows whatever that's, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Can you just stand with me this morning? Just to stand. I just want to pray. Just lift your hands this morning. Father, I thank you this morning that we come and our hands represent. We just want to be free from stress, free from fear, free from worry. 
Our culture said, defines happiness as that we, get, we just have to have more. Lord, I thank you that we realize that it's not our income, but it's really our lifestyle. And Lord, we want to put you first in our lives. We want to trust you first with what you've blessed us with and what you've given us this morning. And I pray for every individual that you would come and that you would just meet them. I pray for a hunger in their heart, a longing in their heart to have, God, more of you. It's not just first in their finances. It's not just first in their, God, with that, it's first with you. First, God, spending time with you, leaving margin in their lives. That God, that you can just, you can speak to us. You can show us how to live. You can direct us how to live. I pray, Father, this morning for every individual here this morning. That I just pray that you would use this entire series to be something that, 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 that creates time and space. To hear your voice. To know your voice. To know you. And to passionately love you. And live our lives according to pleasing you in all that we do. If you believe that, say, I believe it. And I'm going to live it. Amen.